Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Uh, Joining us now is uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky, and uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, it's great. Uh, Now you've written a lot of a lot of books, uh, best-selling books. Here, you've got eleven of them, I see, and. uh, um, tell tell the audience just a little bit about you and um, and the books you've written. Well, I've been practicing spiritual disciplines for about forty eight years. I spent twenty two of those years in the ashram. Uh, ashram is a place where you go to study with a spiritual master from India. I was in the ashram of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. He was the guru of the Beatles and the guru of Deepak Chopra. So I spent many years in his ashram, and I was seven years on his personal staff. And then after I left the ashram, I began writing books because I was teaching something called Divine Revelation, which is this amazing, amazing teaching to help people to learn how to listen to the still, small voice of God within, that divine intuitive voice so i was involved with that teaching and uh, so i left the ashram and began writing books and and now i have 11 books in print uh, with simon and schuster with random house and with new page books that's great what what made you start um what made you get into the um being with the ashram and 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 that like where did it start did it start from, since you could remember have you been interested in this or well uh, actually uh, it was the 1960s i was a hippie 
I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area, and probably your listeners don't realize this, but those of us who were hippies, we were really very serious about studying Eastern philosophy, Eastern wisdom. We wanted to attain spiritual enlightenment. We wanted to uh, learn about higher states of consciousness. And I was reading the Buddhist scriptures, and I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I was reading Alan Watts' The Way of Zen. And when I read Alan Watts' books, he said that you need to find a meditation guide. Well, in 1966 in Berkeley, California, you didn't go to the Yellow Pages to find a meditation guide or anything <laughs> remotely similar to that. So I, uh, I was living there in Berkeley, and I asked uh, my roommate, I said, well, how do I find one of these meditation guides? How do I do that? And so he suggested that I, that I uh, try to do it myself. He said, have you ever tried to meditate on your own? And I said, well, I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed, and I sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know that you should sit up when you meditate. <laughs> I lay down on the bed. Immediately I was propelled into an ecstatic state. I felt this cord of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. And I felt like I was plugged into this electric socket. But in a good way. It was a very ecstatic experience. And so I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. I didn't know any better. And uh, little did I know that I, just, I had just had my first meditation and my first kundalini awakening all at the same time. So that's how I began, began as a seeker in the 60s as a flower child. Wow. And that, that was kind of a big thing, wasn't it? Like with the Beatles and... Um and a lot of people, it was kind of part of what was going on in the late 60s, wasn't it? Very much so, Al. That was a time of a revolution, really, consciousness revolution. It was a new time, and we were very excited about all that was happening, and I was right in the center of it there in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, it was pretty amazing to live through that entire process of where you know where we on weekends we'd go to the people's park and hear santana for free and you know like that it, it was amazing yeah it's quite a it's quite a different time i know that we do a lot of interviews and i know a lot of the younger generation uh, just has no idea um what it was really like and it seems shocking sometimes they're they're surprised that we didn't communicate like we do now, you know, they're, they, they've always known a cell phone or a smartphone or computers. It's <laughs> <laughs> Well, they see movies, they read books, they should know that it was different back then. Well, they should, but, you know, there's something about living it, because I know that we, we did some reviews of uh, JFK and RFK and when Martin Luther King was shot and stuff like that, and a lot of people were surprised that it took a day or two before people had heard about it like especially with MLK, and uh, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't realize that it was not, <laughs> it just didn't pop on your phone, right? <laughs> well, that's true, but there were televisions. I mean, yeah, they, they had special uh, things that would, would, I mean, I do recall watching um, 
at the time that that uh, JFK was shot and and um, and what's the name of the guy who, who supposedly shot him again? Somehow Lee, that eludes me at the moment. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, Lee. When he was killed at the jail, I happened to be bo- watching TV at the moment that he was being shot. I mean, it was just it was televised. It happened in person on TV. So, yeah, there were some instant things that did happen back then, but it certainly is not the kind of uh, yeah. communication revolution that we have now with the internet, where. Yeah, everything is completely instant. Yeah, it's, it's instant while they're at the beach. You know, it's uh, right. But um, so now, uh, med- meditation. Let's let's start with that. Was that kind of um, so? That was your first real experience. Uh, how did you um, how did you proceed with that? Like, what what was the kind of the point? Like, what were you looking for when you were looking for a, a spiritual guide at the time or a trainer? Well, I was seeking spiritual enlightenment, which I had read about in the Buddhist scriptures and, and other books that I had been reading, and a lot of us were, actually. It was, it was the time when people were doing that. We, were, we had just discovered that there was this different state of consciousness that you could attain, higher states of consciousness, and so we were experimenting in all different ways. Some, some people were taking drugs, other people were meditating, you know, doing psychedelics, and uh, doing all kinds of things that we felt might bring us to higher consciousness. And how do you? I see- mean, there, the reason for taking drugs was different back then. We we wanted to have altered states of consciousness. It wasn't that we wanted to get wasted or something. <laughs> that was not the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like trying to pass out and. Yeah. Uh, did did so. Uh, do you think that the drugs back then and and some of the some of the psychedelics do that sort of help uh, people achieve the meditation state, or was it just it's not needed? I guess. Well, I, I'm definitely not an advocate of taking any kind of substances or drugs personally. Uh, however, at the time when I was younger, I did experiment with that, and it was. Uh, Kind of a devastating experience for me. Actually, it was it was not that great for me, but uh, some people do, and some people do experience higher states of consciousness through psychedelics. So you know, I'm not entirely, you know, I'm not going to say that it's something that should definitely not be done or anything like that. But uh, it's illegal, first of all, and second of all, it can really harm your brain cells. So. Right. <laughs> I really yeah. don't recommend it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's side effects to it. So definitely. Know, yeah, you have mm-hmm. to think about it. And so, uh, when people try to meditate, what do you think the 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 biggest thing is to meditation? Like, what what can people achieve from meditating? They can che- achieve spiritual freedom. They can achieve freedom of the soul. They can achieve what they call jivan mukti in India, which means that your soul has been completely freed from the cycles of birth and death that we keep reincarnating over and over and over again. That's the ultimate goal of any spiritual practice, really. Uh, So to realize God, to realize who you truly are, these are some of the things that someone can achieve through meditation. It's very powerful. Do you, do you teach meditation or help people? I certainly do, yes. And I have um, several books on it, uh, Exploring Meditation, 
divine revelation and how to hear the voice of God, those are all focused on meditation. How do you find the mainstream um, is about meditation? Um, it actually has become very mainstream. It, way back in the 1960s when I first began meditating, which was 1967, you know, very few people had even heard about meditation. They, don't, they didn't even know what the word meant. They might have thought it was a typo for medication or something. You know, so <laughs> there was no nothing to relate to, but it really has become quite w- well known and mainstream now. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that people don't just consider yoga classes to be gymnasiums. I think that uh, if they go any deeper into yoga philosophy, they'll learn that it's not about an exercise in a gym at all. It's about a state of consciousness that a person can achieve through various practices, including meditation. Right. Do you practice yoga yourself? Yes, I, I started practicing yoga at age 18, actually, and I'm 67 now. <laughs> wow. And so, and, you still, and so it's really helped you, right, in a lot of ways, not just mentally but physically as well, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yoga, yoga is, all right, <laughs> yoga is not just postures. Yoga is not just something that you do on an exercise mat. That's, that's not what yoga is. The word yoga means union. It means union of individual spirit with universal spirit. That's what it means. That word literally means union. It means to yoke. Uh, very uh, interestingly, it means the same thing as the word religion. Religion means to bind or to yoke also. So yoga is union with God. And that is achieved through many different paths and different practices. There's hatha yoga, which has to do with physical culture, in other words, the postures and and breathing exercises and bandhas, which are physical locks, and mudras, which are physical gestures, and purification exercises such as jala neti, which has to do with purifying the sinuses. And there's many, many different practices in, in hatha yoga, but that's only one branch of yoga. There's raja yoga, which is more involved with deep meditation. There's karma yoga, which has to do with selfless service. There's kundalini yoga, which is about raising the life force energy through the spine. There is integrated yoga, which is a path of many practices together. There is jnana yoga, which has to do with uh, realizing the truth through using inquiry and discernment. So these are just some. Uh, Tantra yoga is another path that has to do with using specific techniques of mantras, yantras, and tantras, they're called. So these are, this is just a, a like a tip of the iceberg of what yoga is. Yoga is one of the six major systems of Indian philosophy, and it has many, many branches to it, and it's, it's very powerful for the purpose of realizing who you really are. And what, what would you recommend to someone that if someone was looking to learn how to meditate or um, get into the enlightenment or, or that, where would you suggest they go or what do you suggest a person does? Well, I do have some guided meditations on my uh, website at drsusan.org. I have CDs, guided meditation CDs there, and downloadable meditations as well. 
I would also recommend that you read some of the books. For example, Exploring Meditation would be a good one to start with. Now, in reference to just trying to do it yourself, mm-hmm. yeah, let me just give you a few tips. It's really not that difficult. You just sit down in a chair, you close your eyes, you take a few deep breaths, you get quiet and still and centered and balanced within yourself. And then you take some more deep breaths and you get even more quiet. Take even more deep breaths and, I mean, really deep breaths. Just breathe very deeply a few times and just let go with every breath. Go deeper and deeper into the meditative state. And and, and in between your deep breaths, just simply be quiet and still. And continue to do that until you feel very relaxed, very at ease, very peaceful. And then do something that people don't usually do when they're in meditation and that is ask ask for healing ask for inspiration ask a question ask for ask for an answer ask to be guided in whatever it is you want to be guided to ask for lifting ask for divine light ask for divine love ask for divine peace divine energy whatever it is that you want to achieve ask for it And then I would say take another deep breath, very deep breath, and then do what I call the do-nothing program. That means do nothing, nothing, and less than nothing. And then you will receive what it is that you have asked for. You'll receive the lifting. You'll receive the answer to your question, whatever it is. And it is given unto you. That's my motto. And so in meditation now, um, we've interviewed a lot of people that... um, meditate that are um, spiritual mediums and and connect with afterlife and spirits and stuff how do you see that or how do you uh, what's your belief or thought on that on mediumship or on the afterlife or what kind of both like you know because they kind of connect like um a lot of the um mediums and and uh people that connect with the after the life and and they talk to spirits they do it by going into a meditation or they meditate quite a bit beforehand so mm-hmm. they connect, connect with a spiritual guide for instance or something mm-hmm. uh, have you ever had that kind of feeling or connection or do you think that it exists or well yes that's exactly what i teach people in my two books Divine Revelation, and the other book, How to Hear the Voice of God. I teach people how to listen to the still, small voice within and how to connect with divine beings, deities, angels, archangels, your loved ones who have moved on into the light after death, uh, any spiritual beings that you wish to connect with. It is really easy to do that, and I do teach people how to do that in those books. And I also teach them how to tell the difference between that true voice of spirit and other voices in your mind, how to test whether what you're getting is the real thing, if it's really a spiritual voice that's speaking to you, or if it's just your own wishful thinking, or if you're just talking to yourself. It's real important to learn how to discern and to know who or what you're getting messages from. Because there's four places that you might get your messages from, Al. Mm -hmm. There's the spiritual world, the mental world, the astral world, and the environmental world. And I suggest strongly that the only place you receive those messages from is from the spiritual world or spiritual plane. That's the place to get your messages from. And 
when you do that, you'll be lifted, you'll receive guidance. If you actually follow that guidance, if you uh, are willing to experience that, your life will change. It will become so much more rich and full and meaningful, and you'll, you'll have coincidences that are not really coincidental happening all around your life, and you will have wonderful uh, miracles taking place in your life. So this is an amazing way to live, to be led by spirit. However, that's not being led by spirits with small s's. It's being led by spirit with a capital S, and there's a big difference. So I, do, I, I believe that it's very dangerous to open yourself up to anything and everything, and particularly dangerous to open up to beings that are in the astral world who have not gone into the divine light. So, yeah, it's fine to connect with beings as long as you are discerning and you know what the heck you're doing. That's, that would be my main yeah. answer to that question. Well, and how, well what, kind of, what kind of dangers do you think there are if you uh, connect with people in the astral? Uh, pretty bad dangers. I mean, there was one instance in which there was a woman who was playing with the Ouija board, for example. She, she was talking to her spirit buddies and they were uh, giving her advice, and they became very dominant, so dominant that she couldn't even hear herself think, and she ended up in the psychiatrist's office, and he actually uh, sent her to a, to, I don't know what you call it these days, what's the politically correct word for mental institution? I don't know. Yeah. Psychiatric <laughs> institution. Whatever it was, she ended up there, and... Uh, and unfortunately, uh, she just basically went insane because of these these beings who were possessing her, actually. Right. And uh, then, um, then later on, after she left the mental hospital, uh, she she ended up uh, going back to her her good buddy spirit spirit buddies who uh, are still. Her friends, she claims. So that kind of thing can happen, and it's a very unfortunate. People can have horrible things happen to them as a result of being in touch with beings from the astral world that they that they inadvertently tap into by opening themselves up to the opening up to the occult is what I might call it. Right. It's very dangerous. Yeah, and are you believe so? You believe like something like the Ouija board itself is bad no. or? No, it's not. There's there's no object that has in, any inherent good or bad, quote-unquote, qualities to it. If you know how to use a Ouija board by doing the proper protections and proper prayers and blessings and, and healing and everything that you have to, that you, if you know what you're doing, you can use a Ouija board safely or any f type of divination tool, such as dowsing rods, for example, or a table or any kind of, method that you want to use is safe as long as you are doing it mindfully with the proper protections and using the proper methods that, for example, I teach in my books, Divine Revelation and uh, How to Hear the Voice of God. Right. I have a, a whole 10 test system for testing the, uh, the authenticity of those voices that people contact how long does it take for someone to learn something like that, the difference 
between um, the real, like the spiritual voice that you really should connect with as compared to something that's not so good? It takes practice and it takes being around, I think it really takes being around people who are clear and who are receiving true divine messages and and it helps i think to maybe read books that have those types of messages in them uh, for example i recommend the new testament of the bible and um, by the way i'm not a christian i'm just saying jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because the words of Jesus in the Bible are coming from a spiritual realm. Those words are... Uh, potent and they have divine energy imbued in them uh, the, the words that came out of his mouth were all divinely inspired and there are a few other books like that the Tao Te Ching, the Bhagavad Gita the Upanishads There's, if, if you read a lot of spiritual books you'll have more of a grasp of what it truly is to get a spiritual message those messages are simple they're loving they're Anyone can understand them. They're not complicated. They're, they don't have strange, complicated hierarchies or bizarre-sounding words or you know anything like that. 
So, but there are 10 tests, not just one test. It's not just, you know, yeah. what the words are like. They're, they're, I do have the, uh, this whole 10 test system. It takes about three hours for me to teach that. I can't do it on your radio no, show. but no. <laughs> And it would be boring, too, yeah. by the way. Because <laughs> no, most a... of the people wouldn't even understand what I was talking about. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I just, I just wanted to kind of get the idea of what it yeah. was and kind of how they can do that. Things that are going on in the world now, there seems to be a lot of um, unrest and different people blaming people, like, you know, with the things going on, beheadings and stuff. Do you think that's, um, I don't want to pick on a religion or anything, but do you think that's sort of something more about the spirit gone bad or people in bad places in their in their mind more so than anything? I think it has to do with the media, if you want well, to know the truth. Well. The reality is that um, what's real and what we see on the media are two different things. Let me just give you some statistics from the Human Security Report. Since the end of the Cold War, the number of violent conflicts has been reduced by 40%. Acts of genocide have dropped by 80%. Weapon sales between countries have dropped 33%. And the number of refugees fell 45%. Coup d'etat are 60% less since 1963. The number of soldiers killed in battle in 1950, there were 38,000 approximately per war. In 2002, there were 600 per war. Deaths by terrorism have decreased 40%. Support for al-Qaeda in, in the Arab world has diminished precipitously. Wars in the Middle East have reduced 50% from 1999 to 2006. And fatalities from these conflicts have been reduced 98%. So those are some hard facts. Right. So you think it's more about the reporting and the and and uh, blowing up of incidents that make it more than it really is. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to look at the facts and the statistics rather than, oh, the world is going horrible. Oh, world's going to hell in a handbasket. That's actually what <laughs> one of the... I was at the Conscious Life Expo this weekend. One of my co-panelists when I started to say how much better the world is than it used to be, that was what that was what he said. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> it's not true. It's going in the totally opposite direction from the <laughs> statistics. So, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, that's that's how it goes, you know. Um, kind kind of selling what they're selling it to the people, you know, their news. Exactly. If it bleeds, it leads. We know that. So. Yeah. And so um, when we get into, like, um, auras um, yes. and reading of auras, um, mm -hmm. that's something also that you've talked about in the power of auras. Um, right. Where does that come from? And how would you describe that to someone listening right now? Like, what is an aura and what can, okay. you, what can you tell from it? All right. So we have this physical body that we inhabit temporarily. And we also have an energy field that surrounds, permeates, pervades this physical body. And that's called your aura or your energy field. The aura is invisible to your two eyes. It is visible to your third eye. It's visible to your sixth sense or your clairvoyant sight. But it is not visible to your regular human sight in most individuals. Most individuals are not seeing the auric field. However, you can develop the ability to see it or sense it. And everybody does sense it, by the way. 
For example, if you walk into a, a room, uh, you sense things about different people. You sense an energy in the atmosphere. If you walk into a home, some homes feel loving and warm and welcoming and some f- homes feel very cold and some homes you walk into feel really weird and you really bad vibe. You want to run the other direction. You want to get out of there right away because it's just the energy is so tense. The atmosphere is so thick. Okay, if you walk into a prison, a bar, a mental institution, those places have a very dense atmosphere. So that is, you're actually sensing energy. You're sensing the the energy field of the place. And people also sense energy of individuals. When you first meet someone, someone may feel warm and welcoming. Another person may feel distant. And another person may feel, you might feel anger or other emotions. You just sense them when you're around those people. So everybody does have the ability to read auras because the aura is the energy field that consists of several layers. One of those layers is the energy layer. Another one is the uh, the energy layer, by the way. That's the That's the layer that that gives you life. It is the life force energy is contained in that layer. Another layer is the mental emotional layer. So you might be sensing people's emotions and that kind of thing. Another layer is the intellect ego layer, which is who we think we are. It's not who we really are, but it is who we think we are. And also the intellect having to do with discerning and deciding and things like that. And then the the next layer is called the causal layer. And that layer has to do with individuation of of us being separate individuals and that sort of thing. So those are the five-fold sheaths they talk about in India. So there are all these layers to the energy field, and we are living in multi-dimensions, all of us. We're not just in this physical form, and we're not just in this physical dimension. We're in many different dimensions simultaneously. So... The auric field or the energy field is just simply that invisible energy that fills, surrounds us, and gives us life. Hmm. And, you know, so, uh, you know, times you hear people that are, that uh, read auras and they go around, it's like, well, <laughs> you'll have a blue aura or red or black and stuff. What does that sort of mean? Okay, well, black uh, is, is pretty scary. Yeah. That would mean you're very ill <laughs> or close to death. <laughs> or you've been taking a lot of drugs not, not, that are not good for you. Uh, red aura would mean you have a lot of energy, life force energy coursing through you. Or if it's a muddy red, then you might be angry and have, have negative emotions like anger or resentment. Uh, what other color did you mention? Oh, well, that was just, that's just ones I've heard of that are kind of popular or sometimes... Yeah, blue, for example, yeah. you, that means you're, you have spiritual inclinations or, you, or you're working for a cause, quote-unquote a cause. You're, you're very righteous and that sort of thing. Yeah. So different colors mean different things, yes. And those things are usually temporary because uh, what they're reading is they're reading your mental body. The aura readers are reading what your emotions are right at the moment. That right. changes all the time. And that changes, yeah. It does. And, and so what, what's the advantage of reading an aura or learning how to? Well, I think that some people just really enjoy hearing about themselves and understanding themselves more. So if they go to an aura reader, 
they'll learn more about about who they are and and what their personality is like and what perhaps what some of their weaknesses are and maybe even they could find out from an aura reader if they have any potential illnesses in different parts of the body because those will show up as gray streaks or or brown streaks in the auric field so uh, for example a medical intuitive if they can read the aura they can see these things before they manifest in the physical form and then maybe you can do something about it in advance right and so do you kind of have any um, feelings about spiritual healers then Uh, spiritual healers some of them are really great some of them are not so great and some of them are frauds you know i mean that would be true in most professions Right. That would be a, a tough one to, to figure out, I guess, if going to a spiritual healer, if you don't have any experience, would it? I think that if the spiritual healer is using prayer, that would be safe. The other thing I wanted to touch off was, was chakras. Um, exploring your chakra, like, um, what is a chakra? Okay, the word is chakra. Okay. <laughs> it's not chakra. And, and I, by the way, um, I apologize for correcting you because everybody pronounces, mispronounces it, including you. Yeah. No. Uh, it just seems to be the popular pronunciation, which is not, <laughs> it's it's, that word doesn't exist. Chakra does not exist. There's no such word in the English language or in the Sanskrit language. And it is a Sanskrit word, and the word is chakra. 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 So, so chakra is, means wheel means wheel and the reason it means wheel is because it has a hub and it has spokes the hub is where many conduits of subtle energy come together in one place and the spokes are the radiations of that subtle energy this is life force energy that we're talking about in in china they call it chi in japan they call it ki and in india they call it prana so prana is that life force energy that gives life to your physical body and that maintains your life. It is said in the ancient scriptures of India that when prana is in the body, that is what is defined as life. And when prana leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. So that life force energy is animating your body. It's giving it motion. It's giving it heat. And when the person dies, there is no motion. There is no heat because the prana has left the body. So that's That's basically what prana is, and prana flows through your subtle body. It flows through the the sheath or the layer of your subtle body that's called the energy body or or pranamaya kosha. And in the pranamaya kosha, you have an entire network of what's called nadi, N-A-D-I. And in in China, they call those meridians. Okay, so... This life force energy is flowing through your body, through these conduits of energy. And where many conduits of energy intersect, there are these centers or plexuses of energy. Those are called chakra. So there are seven major chakra in your subtle body, and there are seven other minor chakra in your, in your energy body. But in fact, there are hundreds of them. But in my book, The Power of Chakras, I talk about 14 of the main chakras that are in your subtle body. 
and they're all very important, obviously. They, you would, if you didn't have chakras, you would not be alive. But if you dissect a corpse, you will not find any chakra or nadi anywhere because they're not in your physical body. They are in your subtle body only. So how do you determine when, when something's not right um, with one of them? Well, um, you'll probably be sick. <laughs> Oh, actually. <laughs> so it's it's that drastic. So if something oh, yeah. is, you yeah. would actually be not well and right. need help. But uh, yeah. a regular doctor's not going to be able to help you. Oh, yes. They, they work on the physical level to heal you. Of course, regular doctors do a lot of good helping and healing people all the time. But if you want to heal your subtle body, um, I, I recommend prayer. I think prayer is really wonderful, and visualization is really great too. For example, you can you could uh, visualize light coming into your body and filling your body with uh, divine energy, for example, or with divine love or divine peace. You know, you can call upon divine beings to assist you to help and heal your subtle body to open your chakras and so on. And then there's also specific exercises that I teach in both of these books, The Power of Auras and The Power of chakra, Chakras. There are many different exercises that are traditional yogic practices that I teach in those books. And also in my new book, Awaken Your Third Eye, is my new book coming out in a couple months here. So... These exercises, which are traditional yogic practices, some of them are postures, breathing exercises, that's called pranayama, muscular locks, those are called bandhas, mudras, those are gestures. Okay, so these exercises can really help clear out and clean out your subtle body and help you to achieve higher states of consciousness and to be more healthy and vibrant, to have greater health and well-being in your life, and to have more charisma. Because when you have a lot of prana flowing through your subtle body, you have greater charisma, meaning you have more influence. You are more attractive to others. You have a magnetic energy field. People want to be around you. So by doing these practices, you get more of that. It's really powerful, and it works. These are all yogic practices, although in, in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I'll, I also include some Taoist practices as well. How would you describe that when you say wake, um, awakening your third eye? Um, what exactly would that mean, your third eye? Okay. Well, there are, as I said earlier, there are seven major chakras. Uh, one of them, okay, so the seven major chakras are the root chakra, the sacral chakra, the navel chakra, the heart chakra, the throat chakra, the third eye chakra, and the crown chakra. So the third eye chakra is in your pineal gland. It's in the very center of your head, actually. That's where it resides. And it is a place of illumination in the body. It's a place where uh, the inner teacher resides. Your higher wisdom is there. Uh, your ability to have clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient experiences is in your third eye. So that is what resides in that place uh, of the, it's in your subtle body, but it resides in, in the area of the pineal gland. 
And what do you, what what do you achieve from your third eye? Like, what's the uh, the power behind it? Well, it is it is the place where you receive divine inspiration, illumination, spiritual awakening. It's the place where you can develop the supersensory powers, such as clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience. It's the place where you can uh, manufacture what we call the nectar of the gods or the nectar of immortality. I mean, it has uh, untold benefits to awaken your third eye. It's after we die. Nothing. The only thing that happens is that the body disappears. Everything else is intact. You will still be able to think, see, hear, taste, smell, because those are not in your physical body. Those senses are in your subtle body. They're in your mental body that we call the monomaya kosha. So when you die, the body is stone dead. It is cold, and it is not animated. However, you are still just as animated as ever. Your mind is working. Your mind is functioning. That's why people who have near-death experiences they're having these experiences. They're not in the body. They're floating above the body, usually, or they've gone somewhere else, and they're having all these experiences. And those experiences are through the senses. The senses still work. So really, basically, nothing happens, and then, and then eventually you go into this divine light. We, we know this from the people who've, thousands and thousands of people who've reported their near-death experiences is that they see a tunnel or they see a bridge or a road or something and then they go across that road or through that tunnel. Often their loved ones are ushering them into the light and then they go into that light and often they will meet a divine being there. They'll have a life review, panoramic 360-degree life review, which means they see their life from not only from their own viewpoint and their own memories, but also f- they see it from the, through the eyes of every person they've ever encountered in this life. So they have this amazing kind of life review, and then eventually they decide what they're going to do in their next life, and they reincarnate. This would be average, everyday you know, people. Is this is what happens to most everyone? Right. So, so, so we keep our love and our feelings and everything about what we've. Uh, done in this life with us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And all of our memories are there. No memory ever disappears. It's all there. So how does that um, translate when we reincarnate? So when we go into another life? Yeah. um, We forget. We forget. But it's all there. It is still there in your subconscious mind. That's why people can go back and do past life regression and remember past life memories and all kinds of things. So does it happen? And also prodigies, you know, uh, right. people who are, have incredible talents. Those talents don't disappear. Those are stored, and we continue to to have those amazing talents. And so, so that happens to the, the most people. What are the few people that it doesn't happen to? People that do really bad things in their lives, or no. It doesn't matter how bad or good you are, the same thing happens to you. You can either choose to go into the light or not. And some people get stuck or stranded in a place that we call the astral world. Some people call that limbo. They have different names for it. It's just a place where souls go who do not go into the light. And I call those earthbound spirits or astral entities. And 
you know, there's, I, there are 14 different reasons why a person would not go into that divine light after death. I talk about that in my book, The Power of Auras, if you'd like to learn more about that. You can find out why they don't go into the light and, and, uh, and what happens to them. That's fascinating. So now if people want to get a hold of you or they want to communicate or maybe um, uh, take some lessons or uh, get your books, how do they do that? Oh, uh, the best way is to subscribe on my website, drsusan.org. That's drsusan.org. And also I have another great website called divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S. Dot com, And on that website, you can subscribe, please, because then you'll find out about things that are coming up. Like I always have these amazing tours, retreats, cruise ship seminars, conferences, different things that I produce that uh, provide different amazing spiritual experiences for people where we get to travel to uh, awesome places and um, India, Peru, Bali, Egypt, all kinds of places where we can experience higher consciousness and and really uh, delve into ancient civilizations and greater learning. Um, there's always some cruises going on. For example, I have three cruises going on this year, so check it out at divinetravels.com. Those cruises aren't just cruises. They're, cruise, they're seminars at sea with amazing speakers, really famous speakers too. Wow. So check it out. Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. We're also going to post it on our website, and we'll also have it right. on Facebook. So that's great. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you very much for taking the time to explain some of these to us. And uh, It's my pleasure, Al. Yeah. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere now. Download our free app now for the iPhone and iPad. Look for the Warren Exchange or House of Mystery app at the Apple App Store today. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of the Talk Radio Network. I'll be back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.